0: Welcome to The Forecasting Impact, a podcast supported by the International Institute of Forecasters. This show brings you the most inspiring people to discuss a wide range of subjects on forecasting science and practice in business, society, economy and education. Thank you for choosing to spend some time with us today. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Forecasting Impact. Um, my name is uh, Madi Aburkassani. I'm a lecturer at the University of Queensland. Today, we have a new guest, and I will be your host.
1: And I will be your co host today. This is Shaya Devad speaking, and I'm a senior postdoc at Ghent University, Belgium.
0: Yeah, I'm really happy to have uh, Vangelos Spiliotis, a uh, great ECR. Um, an awesome friend, and uh, really excellent, productive researcher. Um, uh, Evangelos, welcome Welcome to Forecasting Impact.
2: Hi, Magdi. Hi, Sari. And uh, thank you for, for having me here.
0: Yeah, I'm going to introduce Evangelos, for those of you who may not be familiar with him. Evangelos Spoliotis is a research fellow at the Forecasting and Strategy Unit, National Technical University of Athens where he also serves as coordinator. His research interests include time series forecasting, decision support systems, machine learning optimization, energy forecasting, and energy efficiency and conservation. He's an associate editor of International Journal of Forecasting, has conducted research and development on tools for management support in many national and European projects. Vangelis co-organized the M4 and M5 forecasting competitions, and he's also an organizer of the M5 competition. So, there's a lot for an ECR going on there. Um, uh, so, um, Evangelos, tell us about um, yourself. Like, how did you start your career in forecasting and how did you end up in your current position?
2: Sure. Th- thanks for the introduction, Adi. um Well, uh, er- everything started back uh, when I was uh, an undergraduate student in the School of Electrical and Computer Engineering at the National Technical University of Athens. I was uh, in my senior year, and um, uh, we have something like techno-economics, let's say, uh, um, series of courses that uh, we can optionally take. Uh, One of those courses uh, was dedicated in forecasting. Uh, Back uh, in the days, it was uh, taught by Fotios Petropoulos. So, I really enjoyed uh, uh, the course. Actually, it was, you know, one of uh, the few courses I found, you know, particularly interesting in this series of courses. And, uh, you know, I I got uh, excited with uh, forecasting. I asked Fotios if I could, uh, you know, conduct my thesis uh, in the the laboratory. Uh, He was very positive, of course. Uh, So that's what, you know, uh, how everything happened. then I, of course, uh, um, uh, was introduced uh, with uh, my professor, Vasilios Asimakopoulos, who, you know, also um, uh, gave me a lot of uh, feedback about forecasting. And, you know, then everything just uh, got involved uh, pretty naturally.
0: Awesome. I didn't know that Fotios was your actually uh, teacher or lecturer before. Uh, of course, the in, 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 in the university, in the uh, um, National Technical University of Athens, I know it's a hub for forecasting and there are a lot of uh, great researchers. Uh, I think they came out of this unit and are still working over there. Uh, are there still like a lot of researchers working actively? Well, I know a few, but uh, you can tell us a little bit about the forecasting unit over there as well.
2: Yes, actually, there's uh, you know a chain of uh, forecasters uh, there. We have you know uh, Professor Asimakopoulos, then uh, uh, you know also Costas uh, Nikolopoulos was uh, a PhD student of uh, Vasili's, then Fotios, then me, uh, Zabeta legaki who's uh, uh, working with uh, forecasting applications for education. And uh, more recently, we have a lot of uh, researchers uh, working with uh, machine learning for time series forecasting. Uh, Artemio Semenoğlu, a very close colleague of mine. Uh, Vangelis Doudourou, he's mostly focused in uh, retail forecasting. And uh, we have also some other students that uh, are more targeted in uh, financial forecasting. So yeah.
1: Mm. So so we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of Greeks in the forecasting field. Seems like uh, you started with the Oracle of Delphi and haven't let go since. Why do you think forecasting is so popular in Greece?
2: Uh, not sure. So. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good question, and you know this is something that always comes up uh, in the uh, ISF or you know other forecasting related. Uh, um, conferences. Um, I think that uh, probably Professor Makridakis, who, who is Greek, uh, partially played a role in that. Um, like I said, uh, also from uh, our university, there are a lot of uh, people that started their career in uh, uh, the forecasting strategy unit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. I uh, you know, not not because I'm Greek, but I do know that you know a lot of uh, Greeks are doing uh, great uh, work in uh, you know foreign universities. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm happy I can see a lot of Greek guys in the in the conferences and that were you know all of, uh, super excited about forecasting.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, do you also teach in the unit? Do you teach any unit in, in in the forecasting unit over there? In
2: Yes, actually, actually there are a lot of uh, of courses. Um, We have an undergraduate course about forecasting uh, techniques. Um, We also have a lot of uh, postgraduate courses, again, in uh, National Technical University of Athens. Some of them are about forecasting. Others are about uh, decision support systems. Uh, Another one is about uh, uh, using... Let's say expert systems for um, uh, smart cities. So these are more, let's say, uh, on the aspect of the electrical engineer. Um, I'm also uh, having a course in the Athens University of Economics and uh, Business. Uh, it's about uh, using uh, uh, forecasting and, analy- and analytics for uh, uh, economics. And I also have a, a, a teaching a, a, a course with a Professor Makedakis in the University of Nicosia, which is about applied forecasting. Um, yeah, we lot, lots of courses. Uh, yeah, we're, we're happy. We're happy we have uh, you know lots of uh, uh, different students, and uh, also the the courses are very diverse because you know some are undergraduate, uh, other postgraduate. Uh, some are more focused with uh, people, you know, with an engineering uh, background, others with a business background. So it's it's very diverse.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to say that I was able to follow that applied forecasting course, uh, which was quite a challenge for me because I had to learn, uh, coming from psychology, I had to learn everything about time series and forecasting just by myself. But I really enjoyed it. I was just wondering you, you so you teach a lot of courses do you do you have a favorite one that you get most excited for or uh, favorite format maybe or
2: you know um, I'm a little biased because I'm an engineer so I I tend to enjoy more you know uh, when I have uh, uh, also engineer students in front of me to to teach um i also find it convenient that uh, you know there it, it's uh, easier for them to follow you know uh, some coding that will naturally have to to implement for for the courses uh on the other hand you know um it's uh, also rewarding when you can see that you know people that uh didn't even know you know some basic statistics uh the beginning of the course, how you know in their final assignment would say they can uh, really make uh, some things work. And this is, for example, happening in the in the uh, postgraduate um, course I have in the Athens University of Economics and Business, and uh, this is you know the, this is very exciting. You know to see all the all that press within a, a single semester. Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, so. Evangelos, tell us about your current research interests and what do you do these days uh, lots of stuff um
2: basically i work in two directions right now the first is about uh, machine learning uh, and uh, probably more about uh, neural networks um what i what is uh, you know, the main focus of uh, my research uh, in the field is, uh, you know, first of all, uh, identifying uh, a trade-off between cost and uh, accuracy. Uh, there was a lot of discussion in um, recent competitions, the recent-time competitions, and also other, you know, independent studies about, you know, if improving 1% in accuracy is really worth especially given you know not only the the computational cost but also you know the the additional cost you you have to pay for developing uh, you know and maintaining these uh, these methods personally I find them uh, you know very uh, very interesting and uh, with a lot of uh, potential but you know you, you just have to to have a better understanding of you know uh, what you really Gain, you know, out of uh, of these methods. So uh, here are, there are two directions. So the first, you know, it's uh, uh, purely uh, measuring uh, the computational cost and see, for example, if uh, you know what are um, the uh, which is the time and the, the overall time and the amount of money you have to pay to make to implement them in the cloud, for example. The other thing, and I think this is more difficult, is to connect, you know, uh, the benefits of uh, you know gaining accuracy uh, with business. For example, in VM5, we saw some methods having, uh, you know, something like uh, Twenty percent better accuracy, or in some particular aggregation levels, just two or three percent. So the question is, you know, what what does this two or three percent mean? Does this mean that I will have significant significant benefits in terms of uh, you know inventory cost? Um, so yeah, those are some uh, directions I'm working on. Of course, uh, there are some other. Uh, methodological things uh, like, uh, for example, ensembling, uh, uh, which is particularly helpful for uh, uh, when working with uh, neural networks. Another thing, I think, it's also you know about how you you prepare your data, or you know if you do not have enough data, what you can do to to, to make these data-hungry methods work. Uh, so, also, you know, some work on data augmentation, yeah, stuff.
0: So back to the point that you mentioned, a lot of work that you know, recently you have done on the, um, you know, the trade-off between forecasting accuracy. And also, you know, the associated costs that you can save, and the implementation, how you can implement it, and whether there is any benefit implementation and benefit over there or not. Could you give us like a couple of you know uh, distinct points? Like, okay, if if there is such a thing, if there is a cutoff like uh, that, okay, uh, if. Um, you can gain this much of accuracy. It would be beneficial, or it would be beneficial if you can invest this much of money, or any similar points.
2: Um, I think that the, there's no answer unless there's a, you know specific requirements and constraints. So it's application dependent. Mm-hmm. For example, yeah. uh, you know when you work uh, with. Uh, uh, supermarket, you have to take into consideration uh, lead times. You know the minimum amount of orders uh, that you can make, the minimum uh, amount of uh, you know um, quantities you can uh, send to your stores per SKU. So uh, all those these those are details. In fact, it's what really makes a difference in estimating those costs. Okay, mm-hmm. so. In some cases where you have a a lot of flexibility, uh, even small improvements may make a difference in very constrained environments, that won't probably be the case. Okay, so you you need some context, you need to to fully understand, you know, what are the the constraints in your problem, and only then you can really say you you can really answer these, these kind of questions. a a, a PhD student in our university is working in in this direction, you know, so having like a a framework where you can basically, you know, define some of these hyperparameters and then get an estimate of, uh, you know, how much money you can uh, really make. Or, you know, if it's not uh, expressed in monetary terms, at least, you know, have uh, an understanding of, you know, how more sales you could probably make, which is the availability of the items or, you know, something similar.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, so you already mentioned a few things, but I was reading your, um, as a refresher, your 2018 paper about machine learning concerns and the way forward. And you mentioned three main points in the discussion section. So we need to become more accurate. And we've, we've talked about that, about the accuracy, um, about the computing time. So the time investment. Um, And then the third one is one that I'm very interested in from a behavioral perspective is that it should be machine learning should be less of a black box. And I think that's very important in getting it accepted in business practice. So do you have any experience in in working with practitioners and what their reception is of, of, you know, getting introduced to machine learning and its complexities?
2: uh yeah definitely yes uh where we we have a lot of uh of projects uh with uh, private uh, companies uh banks in the energy sector retailers and um, you know especially during the last uh 3 or 5 years at least here in Greece there's a you know a lots of uh, uh interest in uh, Uh, getting, you know, uh, implementation of uh, advanced machine learning models uh, and uh, using them uh, with cloud services. Um, For for some other countries, you know, this this happened a lot earlier, but this is something new for for Greek companies right here, mostly due to data availability issues. Uh, They are very keen on, you know, using these models. And if the application, you know, it's, um, more about automating some processes, they don't really care about, you know, if they can uh, really understand how the forecasts are produced. Okay, so for example, in uh, uh, a wind power forecasting problem, uh, they, they're not, you know, really asking why the, the forecast is, you know, uh, the one that the system shows. Uh, however, uh, you know, when you work with, for example, uh, for creating the budget, of a company, um, then you know they they really want to know why uh, this is the case. Okay, why the the forecast is is the one of the system produced? And um, in in many cases, they are also willing to sacrifice, let's say, um, accuracy, or at least let's say the the, the methodological, let's say, uh, uh, advancements that you your method has just in order, you know, to, to be um, uh, easy for them to communicate the results, especially to the directions of uh, the bank or their company, um, make some adjustments. Okay, so I, I, I think that, you know, the, the more important the decisions the forecast support, the more of a, le, of a black box the, the forecast
0: should be. Okay, so... Yeah. So um, the black box thing about the machine learning models that I often hear about. So uh, I was in a um, presentation and someone's talking about you know, um, machine learning models that they're black box and managers uh, often, you know, higher uh, CEOs or higher level managers. They don't, if they don't really understand it, they don't want to invest in it. And then I asked this question. Um, do they really understand the complicated statistical models and, and they want to really understand it? Um, and if, well, the, 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 the answer is probably not. If you can't really understand a machine learning models, a tree-based model, you can't probably understand a, a statistical model either. So they're both kind of, they're going to be a black box for you. But, uh, and then I made this argument, like as long as you can get some, you know, um, decent response after you know decent test then you can you can build you know that has already built the trust so you can trust on it why why would you need to understand every little thing going on in a neural network um, you don't need it just as like a statistical model that you don't need to understand how do you estimate every single parameters um but uh, i don't have any answer for that and i haven't heard any answer any at least any uh um, you know, <laughs> response anywhere. But do you have any thoughts on that?
2: <laughs> I completely agree with you, Mahdi. And uh, you know, I think it's not about uh, really understanding the model. It's about you know having the the um, the you know knowing that if you were willing to do so, you would be able to do that, and maybe you know also. Um, you know, given this understanding um, be able to make some adjustments more easy. So, you know, it's more about knowing that you would uh, probably, you know, understand it and, and make it work uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way you you wish the model to, to work for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, apart from that I, I completely understand with you and personally, you know, if, if you have a, a model working um, um, uh, you know, 24-7 and uh, always getting some good results, you, you probably don't have, you know, a way, uh, a reason not to trust that model.
0: Yeah. But I see more acceptance coming in, yeah, as, as you mentioned, like apart from the companies that they do the forecasting in Excel, I have seen at least in other countries, like uh, other industries, they're more kind of, you know, open to these things. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, interesting to see how it would, how it would be in in, in future. Um, So I want to move on the conversation to something that uh, you like it so much, and that's M competitions. So you have been involved in M4, M5, and now M6. Um, So tell us a little bit about, first of all, um, maybe you can Sum up a couple of things from forecastings like M4 and M5 findings for people who haven't heard about this or they want you know a refresher. What are the main findings uh, from M4 and M5? And then we can talk about M6. Sure.
2: Uh, well, the, the M competitions are uh, uh, very popular in the... Uh, forecasting uh, literature, uh, probably, you know, the the first um, series of uh, forecasting competitions in the literature. Uh, the M4 was uh, more about, uh, you know, uh, providing some answers about whether machine learning models can uh, really make a difference in time series forecasting. Uh, back in the days, um, you know, there was... Uh, the especially the neural networks there were in their infancy in time series forecasting settings we had a lot of uh, you know uh, great insights of what the neural networks can do in other fields like uh, 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 image recognition or you know uh, gaming um, but you know uh, for, forecasting um, wasn't that Advanced, you know, and uh, familiar with working with uh, uh, these kind of methods, and uh, uh, this was the main motivation behind M4. We had seen a lot of, uh, you know, papers claiming uh, superior performance of neural networks, and then when you uh, used simple benchmarks, you, you you could see that you know the improvements wasn't wasn't that great. So that motivated the the M4. And I think that it was very, it was a very successful competition because, um, it, first of all, it introduced a lot of uh, innovative methods uh, for the first time, uh, at least you know, for in, in the context of uh, uh, generalized forecasting, you know, working with uh, uh, very different uh, and diverse data set. Uh, we saw the concept of uh, global forecasting models. So having a single uh, neural network to produce forecasts for very diverse uh, and a lot of series. Uh, so that was uh, very innovative. We also uh, show some um, uh, meta-learning methods that uh, you know apply complex uh, uh, combinations of forecasts based on uh, time series futures. Uh, also very innovative and interesting um, uh, concept. And uh, based on that, you know, we we saw that machine learning is the way forward, is the, the, you know, the the next big thing and uh, that we should uh, keep investing in this kind of research. Uh, Of course, previous uh, results like, you know, that uh, combinations work uh, and stuff like that, uh, were confirmed in the M4, and uh, uh, you know the the in order to move to the M5, um, we we were mostly interested in, in you know um, since all the previous M competitions were applied in a very uh, generic concept, you know, basically having a model where uh, it, it could work, you know, for any type of series. We found that, uh, you know, this isn't always uh, appropriate because, you know, you uh, in practice, you work with very uh, specific data sets. Okay, and this was also uh, some of the major uh, concerns expressed for the previous end competitions. So we decided to focus on retail forecasting, which is one of the major, you know, applications of uh, forecasting, um, Walmart, was generous enough to, to provide a very nice data set. So we work with hierarchical uh, time series with real data uh, of uh, six years, I think. And um, the competition was hosted in Kaggle. Um I think that you know the, the competition confirmed that uh, um, uh, combinations work, that machine learning works. Uh, we also found that uh, Decision trees instead of neural networks are probably more appropriate for this kind of uh, problems. Uh, They were very fast to use and uh, very efficient in working with tabular data. Uh, Of course, again, we saw some neural network-based models work particularly well with these data sets, but the uh, tuning of of these models if you want, was much more challenging than using, you know, decision-tree-based models, um, especially when you work with also explanatory variables and, uh, you know, other other factors you want to, to take into consideration. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the story behind the two most recent M competitions, and now we're working yeah. with M6.
0: M6, yeah. So how is that going on? Uh, I know we are still on... Well, trial has finished, like it has officially started, but um, so how is it going?
2: Um, uh, You know, we we are in the first month of uh, the M6 competition, just to to introduce uh, you to the M6 for people that are not uh, aware of uh, the competition. It's a financial competition. The purpose is to... uh, is to forecast the rank of uh, some particular assets, the relative ranks of some assets. So basically, you know, uh, provide a signal which assets are more likely to to have uh, major uh, returns or the opposite. And the second part of the competition, which is uh, also very exciting, is, you know, how you can transform these forecasts into uh, investments, okay, so how you uh, create, you know, portfolio of of assets. The M6 includes uh, 100 assets, ETFs and stocks. Um, uh, Like I said, it's uh, the first month of uh, the competition, which will run for uh, another 11 months. Um, uh, You have to resubmit your forecasts um, every every month, if you wish, uh, and there are both quarter and global winners because there are a lot of uh, prices uh out there. um I think it's too early to tell if uh, you know we have a, a clear winner or something that we can learn from the leader ports. Uh, I think that after maybe six months, uh, or probably in the ISF where we'll be discussing some initial findings of the M6 we will we'll have some story to to tell. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, it would be interesting to see how M6 goes and um, in, in, uh, in financial context like financial data set um, uh, I think there is a lot that we can learn and it would be interesting to see how also the machine learning models are going to work uh, over there. Because I, I know of some some companies that they work, they, they use machine learning models and they make decent money. So um, yeah, we as I said, like I think it would be interesting to see uh, hopefully some of the big companies in the world that they are making millions of money to come into the conference at least to show their, not to show their models, well they wouldn't probably but at least to to, to forecast and uh, to see how they perform on this data sets for the first time to see to see their results. Yeah,
2: yeah. If 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 you wish, you do not have to you know describe in detail your model because mm. of course if you if you have a model that works in uh, mm-hmm. you know financial forecasting, you probably want to keep it for yourself. But uh, the purpose of the competition, you know, is to understand. What's available out there? What people are using? Mm-hmm. What's are, what are the best uh, practices? And you know, since there's a lot of noise and randomness in this uh, uh, environment, um, you know, be able to to understand if you know simplicity, simple methods would uh, would be better to use, you know, mm-hmm. in such cases. or you know, you have a uh, super sophisticated machine learning. Um, Method And, you know, uh, I find it challenging to to deal with the first uh, track of the competition, the forecasting part, because, you know, when it comes to decisions, there are a lot of other kinds of uh, optimizations and simulation methods you can use to, to, you know, determine the weights of the investment you can focus on on the risk. Instead of you know the exact returns of um, of the assets. so I think that you know it's more straightforward to work in the direction of investment uh, forecasting. I think that that would be the more uh, the most challenging uh, you know uh, part of the competition. And uh, actually, I think that this is also uh, currently the case with the leaderboards because you can see. At least for now, uh, very small improvements compared to to some best parts.
0: Yeah, looking forward to. it. Um, we will see uh, some initial results in in Oxford conference, and uh, let's see how it goes. It's going to be a long one. It's going to last one year, right? So it it finished on in, in February twenty twenty three. Is that right? Or
2: yeah, 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 that's
0: right. Okay, so yeah, let's see how it goes. <laughs> Uh, All right, so we're going to move on to the last part. Uh, Shari, yeah, go on, please.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering, um, I've been looking at, so you have so many courses that you teach. You publish at a superb high rate. You organize the M competitions. Um, How do you divide your time? Where do you find the time? Do you work 24-7 or (laughs) tell us your secret?
2: Uh, yeah, of, of course I work a lot of hours. Okay, if there's not such a thing like uh, you know, just uh, I'm a super kid or something like that. Uh, there's a lot of work going on, but um, you know, even if there's a lot of pressure, I think that um, uh, if you really like what you do, you always find some some time. It's like you know, having sparing some. Time for your friends or family. Okay, it's it's what you enjoy. Uh, personally, you know, it's uh, something that gives me happiness to to work with some uh, uh, particular uh, parts of, uh, of my research agenda. And I also I am uh, lucky enough to have some uh, close colleagues of mine that uh, work with me, and uh, so you know, I have their support. Uh, we exchange ideas we also work hard and uh, I think this is you know the the secret let's say behind doing a lot of uh, of stuff and although we're not uh, you know uh, a huge laboratory whereas uh seven people let's say are uh, working in the in the laboratory I think that you know, since they're, uh, everyone is very dedicated to to what they do, that's that's what makes the difference. Because, uh, you know, in Greece, we, we do not really have um, lots of funding for doing research. So when a student comes and says, I I really want to do a PhD, it's something that he really wants to do. Okay, it's not, yeah. you know, because he got some funding. Or, so there, yeah, this is, this is uh, how the team works and how the uh, outcomes are produced.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's exciting to see uh, these great works coming out. And uh, yeah, keep 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 writing. Um, yeah. So we're gonna ask the last question uh, of our conversation. We ask everybody actually. <laughs> um, tell us about um, your recommended must-read papers and books in forecasting for our audiences that might be interested to know.
2: Sure. Um, I'm going to start with uh, with the books. Okay. The the, the must read is uh, definitely the Forecasting Principles and Practice by Hyman and Athanasopoulos. I think it's very simple to read, Mm -hmm. very practical, providing the article, the examples. And uh, uh, it's also a, a book I recommend for all the students I uh, have and the courses I uh, do on forecasting. And uh, in a similar fashion, I like the the practical time series forecasting from Gallup which uh, you know also provides um, um, a brief description of key uh, time series forecasting models. So these these are you know the the must Books for me for for starters and what everyone should have read before starting with uh, forecasting. Now, in terms of papers, uh, that that's a very difficult one yeah. because <laughs> my, my favorite change depending on what I'm uh, excited working at the moment. Uh, I think that uh, you know a must read and recent one is the forecasting theory in practice uh, that was uh, uh, led by Fotios Petropoulos. It's basically a huge, uh, yeah. a huge idea of forecasting with applications and theory. So it has, you know, a little bit of everything. So it's a good way to, to get started. Um, then, of course, I enjoy um Papers like uh, the uh, retail forecasting literature paper from a uh, uh, file Scholas and Ma. Uh, you know, stuff, stuff like that. Stuff like uh, uh, that you, you know, you read a paper and you can uh, understand what's uh, what's going on. And uh, uh, that's a little bit biased, but I also like the special issues of, of VM competitions. Not yeah. about... The, the main papers, but also about the discussion ones. I find it very very nice, you know, to have people from the industry uh, commenting on the results and saying, uh, you know, what their what are their concerns, what they find useful, and what it's not applicable. Uh, so papers from Gilligan, you know, uh, Kulasa. People working on the industry then, you know, can find some limitations or some, you know, identify what's really uh, interesting in, um, in the methods that have won
0: such competitions. Yeah, for sure. Those are some good recommendations.
1: Yeah, very good. And, and um, we say that those are the two last questions, but actually I have one last question usually at the end. Right. And that is, what do you do to relax so can we get a little bit of an insight into um, if you're not working, what are you doing besides uh, catching up uh, on sleep, obviously? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not really, you know, a person that sleeps a lot F- five or six hours, you know, and after that, I'm, I'm uh, getting up. Ah. Uh, I, re- I really like spending time with, uh, with friends. Uh, most of my free time will be with friends, getting a beer, uh, I also, you know, uh, try to find some, um, some time to uh, have a, you know, a weekend uh, to a place near Athens, especially when the um, when the weather is nice. Uh, yeah, that's that's what uh, gets me relaxed. I don't really have, uh, you know, a consistent hobby. Just just hanging out and uh, yeah, traveling a little bit.
0: Sounds wonderful. Your consistent hub, Your consistent hobby is uh, working on forecasting. That's a hobby. Enjoying <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It. Yeah. Definitely. It's mine as well. Uh, but yeah. Thank you so much, Evangelos. Uh, it's been really great having you. Uh, talking to you. And um, uh, we really wish you uh, success. Uh, it's it's great to see a lot of works is coming out. We're definitely looking forward to M6 and a lot of other great works that will, you know, you, you will work on them in 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 your career. You're right, right at the start, right, pretty much at the start.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I I consider my, myself a relatively early researcher, and uh, thank you very very much for having me with you and for your kind words and also wish you the best guys.
1: Yes. And we hope to see you at ISF in Oxford this year.
2: I'll be there. Yeah, sure. Okay.
1: Excellent. Okay. Thank you for being our guest today.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time and listening to Forecasting Impact. If you like this show, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. You can follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at Forecanceling Impact. Ask your questions and share your thoughts with us. We appreciate you and we look forward to seeing you at our next episode.